Pastor Justin said that right now we are right in the middle of our Renaissance Festival outreach and um, Heritage of Faith is is our home. Um, I thoroughly have enjoyed your nine o'clock services because we don't do service out there till 1045. So I'm able to get up and watch via online uh, service. So I'm here almost with you on almost every Sunday at 9 a.m. at your 9 a.m. services. So that has been a pleasure and a thrill. And uh, we finish up the Renaissance Festival Outreach, which right now, I mean, we're feeding between 250 to 300 people every Saturday night. And then we do our Sunday, our Sunday morning services. And then after that finishes out, uh, we start going on tour a little bit. Then we head back to Brazil. And we're going with a, a, a big team this year. Uh, doing a lot of ministry actually in the villages we've been we've been sowing the soil and uh, tilling the soil and sowing the seed getting the ground ready um, uh, for a few years now in Brazil um, working to stop the human trafficking and establishing economies and we see they see before you could just talk to the peoples you know different cultures are different and uh uh, you've got to build that relationship with, with them. And it, they, they, most white people that go into these villages are there just to preach at them, preach at them. And they've all heard the story about Jesus. And, uh, but they've come in, they've seen us come in that we really care for them. And we're trying to help them and establish their economy and, and build up and their, their villages and dig wells. And now they have an ear to actually hear and so, and I call it the Lazarus effect in Brazil. Um, Brazil is a Christianized nation for the most part. And I, I see Lazarus, Lazarus come forth, right? And Lazarus is alive, but he's still wrapped in his dead man's clothes. He still smells like death. He had been wearing these clothes for four days. And, and in biblical days, they didn't embalm the bodies. You know what I mean? And so here he had rotten, dead flesh and guts on these clothes, you know. And uh, in fact, uh, I think it was Martha said, he stinketh, you right? You know, don't roll away the stone. He stinketh. And so Lazarus, he was alive, but he still smelt like death and he still looked like death. Right? And Jesus said, now go loose him, bound him, feed him. And so, for the most part, Brazil's been brought to life, but they still smell like death and they still look like death. And when you're wrapped up, you can't run and do what God's called you to do. So, we're in the process of taking off those clothes, those dead man's clothes, those grave clothes, so they can experience the fullness and the freedom of God. And so, that's kind of what we're doing in Brazil this year, which is fantastic. And then we go back out on tour. And what's really exciting for Captain Rex International Ministries is we are opening our own camp, summer camp, this summer. And uh, it is a first-class camp, and we already have big visions. I have a contract on uh, 17 more acres that adjoins the campgrounds. Our vision is to build a big castle where the auditorium will be a castle, and the moat around it is a lazy river. How cool would that be? Little kids be able to sit in a lazy river going around a castle, you know? Zip lines, go-karts, you know. We dream big and uh, (laughs) first-class. We'll have an adult camp, too, hey. And no, but one of the things we're looking at is doing family camps because we're going to have a lot of dorms and their cabin styles, but family camps and 
And, um, and what we found uh, that Captain Rex, um, what we started out as a children's ministry, and a few years ago, Pastor Justin, he said, you need to change your vocabulary. What you do isn't just for kids. This is family ministry. This is a ministry. And so that all ages are loving Captain Rex. So I think a family camp would be great. So, Amen. Is that what you was wanting? All right. Okay. So that's kind of up to date on, on Captain Rex International Ministry. So we are excited. Um, we were supposed to close on the land. Um, those of you that get our partner letter, um, you kind of know uh, how we've been excited and we we're supposed to close March 29th. And something happened with the survey, so they had to push back the date. And praise God, they had to do that because uh, remember, there's a message: faith starts at 1201. Yes. <laughs> faith starts at March 29th. That's when my faith started because we're paying cash for it. Oh no, man! But to love them, we're a debt-free ministry, and we didn't have the cash come March 29th. And so the date now has been moved back to April 16th. And man, I'm more excited now. I'm, ex- I'm not giving up. It's coming in, even though I don't see it in the natural. When God says, he pays. I know that's not good English, but <laughs> trying to make it rhyme. When he says, he pays. Whatever he says, pays. Maybe from New England, I don't know. Anyways, um, so uh, be in prayer with Captain Rex International Ministries that uh, April 16th, we will be closing. Um, I already had the survey ordered. They were out a couple days ago. Doing the survey on the land, so it's coming, it's coming. It's uh, and it's 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 um, a testimony of never give up on your dream. I had a vision and a dream for that land nineteen years ago. Nineteen years ago, and then because of uh, we relocated and was in San Marcos, different type of ministry, everything else, and so that I thought was done. I thought it was over with, and having a campground. And my brother picked up the vision of a campground because I know I can't run a campground, be operated all the time because I'm on the road ministering all over. Well, my brother can, and he has a whole church body that wants to do this. So they picked up the campground a vision and fulfilling it. And then, and then through a God circumstances, uh, the land became available. It is just, it's a complete God thing. So don't give up on it. That was 19 years ago. And we're seeing it come to pass April 16th. Amen. 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 Well, Pastor Justin said that we are uh, talking about walking with God. Is that right? Walking with God. And um, I want to read a little quote from a very famous document. That's not the Bible. And uh, just uh, just kind of start the groundwork on it, on our, our study tonight. And it says this. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. You know, pursuit means you're you're going somewhere. You're you're, you're going somewhere. And and this is talking about the pursuit of happiness. And since our forefathers uh, coined this phrase... 241 years ago, 1776, right, babe? Yeah, see, she's a teacher. 241 years ago, Americans have been in hot pursuit of happiness. But it seems as though they never reach it. 
Are we anywhere closer to reaching that dream of happiness? I mean, we have more stuff than we've ever had. We have technology that's crazy. We can launch a spacecraft from our phone. I can start my truck from my phone. I can have my microwave make a pizza for me from my phone so it's ready for me when I get home. We have refrigerators that play YouTube videos, cook Pop-Tarts, and, you know, it's, it's amazing all the technology that we have. Yet we're still in that pursuit for happiness, according to the Declaration of Independence. Psychology Today magazine found that 83% of 40,000 readers polled said their number one question in life is, how can I find real happiness? These are professionals. I mean, how can I find real happiness? These are professionals. Right in Psychology Today Shouldn't they be taking a poll on psychology today? Like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Or, or if a man speaks in a forest and no woman's around, is he still wrong? I mean, <laughs> like big, I mean, let's think. No, they're asking how can I find true happiness because they're pursuing the happiness. They're, they're pursuing their passions instead of pursuing God and walking. With God, I had a pastor friend um, a few months ago. He was uh, talking about pursuing your passion. And uh, good man of God, and pursue your passion. You need to pursue after your passion. And he even gave a, a biblical example in scriptures and, and told a biblical story uh, of Jacob. You know how, how Jacob, he pursued his passion. He pursued his passion, Rachel. Rachel was his passion. And, and he finally got it. And when he was talking to that, and he has scriptures that back that up, right? And a lot of times we hear stuff from other preachers or whatever, and sometimes something just doesn't sit right in your spirit, right? So I, I was like, something, something don't seem right. God, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you, is this right? And he said, go to the word, go to the word and find out yourself. You'll see it. And I'm like, okay. You know? So, um, I went to Genesis and we jump into the story of Genesis 29. I mean, this is the love triangle of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah. Uh, I mean, it's like right off the pages of a Hollywood script going up for an Academy Award. Two sisters in love with the same woman, you know, lies, deceit, jealousy, um, <laughs> What? Two sisters in love with the same woman. Man. Same man. I had a wife last night who was coughing all night long, so I didn't get to sleep as much as I'd like to. So, okay. Anyways, praise God for beautiful wives, though. And uh, two sisters plus one man plus 14 years equals a big mess. There we go. Is that that better? Okay. I said man. So, we jump in the story of Genesis 29. And um, before we get into the story, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for your word, that your word is living and powerful. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you open up minds, hearts, eyes, spirits, souls to receive all that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So Genesis 29, we have Jacob, the son of Isaac, the grandson of the patriarch Abraham. He is no stranger to getting himself into trouble. In fact, we've seen his latest shenanigans. 
He cheats his brother Esau out of his his blessing. And um, Esau is out for blood. So to protect him from Jacob's, uh, from Esau's wrath, Jacob's mother, Rebekah, sends him away to find a home from her family line. Now we see that, uh, okay, so Jacob, he arrives in his mother's land. He sees the beautiful Rachel, who happens to be a relative. So it's like the perfect match, right? And... Um, in biblical days, not now. <laughs> no kissing cousins now. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I have so many Arkansas jokes, it's not even funny. Okay. Um, I'm not going there. My dad's from Arkansas. My dad's from Arkansas. And so uh, his family trees are telephone pole. But... Um, <laughs> But I have to say this. I do have to say this with Arkansas. I know. I'm sorry. Let me get it all out in my system. Then we'll get in the word. <laughs> Arkansas, though, they, they are renowned for a few things. Like they invented the toothbrush. Did you know that? If it had been invented anywhere else, it would have been a teeth brush. <laughs> tooth. It's a toothbrush. If it had been anywhere else, it would have been a teeth brush, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Okay. So. All right, so here we are. Jacob arrives, perfect match. Um, okay, uh, Rachel's family is overjoyed at Jacob's arrival. In fact, Laban, Rachel's father, agrees to give Rachel a marriage if Jacob will work for him for seven years. And um, Rachel must have been stunning because Jacob is smitten and he commits to this agreement. And the Bible tells us in a very romantic way in verse 20, that seven years seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Finally, I know, isn't that sweet? Finally, the time has come for Jacob to marry Rachel. Now here's where the story gets juicy. Jacob finally gets now a taste of his own deceptive medicine. He is now reaping seeds, reaping the harvest of deceptive seeds that he sowed towards his brother Esau. On his wedding night, Laban secretly gives Leah, the older sister, to Jacob as his wife, not Rachel. Don't ask me how Jacob did not catch on on that one. But the next morning, Jacob realizes it and in. Infuriated, Jacob confronts Laban, who tells him the older daughter needs to be married first. You know, it's like that information would have been a lot helpful last night, right? But yeah, but Laban says that Jacob can have Rachel too if he works another seven years, which Jacob agrees to. This was my friend was telling telling that. Jacob didn't give up and he kept pursuing his passion and he got finally his passion. And yeah, that's basically there. But here's what I got out of it. And it came right off the page to me. And I believe this was what God was trying to tell me. That's why it wasn't sitting easy. Before he got his passion, he had to get his purpose. You see, Rachel was his passion, but Leah was his purpose. 
instead of pursuing our passion, instead of being in that pursuit of happiness, we should be pursuing our purpose. Who puts the purpose inside of you? God. How do you find out what your purpose is? You walk with him. You see, pursue your purpose and then you'll get your passion. And did he, yes, we know he worked seven years, but did he have to wait seven years? No. If you read it, he only had to wait one week. He got to marry Rachel one week after Leah, and then he worked off the debt the next seven years after he got his purpose. So, how was, how was Leah his purpose? Let, let's, go, let's go more into it. And, uh, and, I mean, I could even say, like, on me. You know, I had, I always had a, a, um, a big passion for acting. Um, and I tried to go after it and was, did movies, you know. You know, I've heard the stories how I was in some movies and stuff. But that, 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 that desire wasn't being fulfilled. That passion wasn't being fulfilled. And I also always had a passion to help people. And it wasn't until I went on a Chariots of Light tour when, when, um, Bill called me and said, I need you in Sturgis. And I'm like, okay, cool. We riding? We doing a tour? He said, no, we're doing street evangelism. I said, street evangelism? I don't do that. He said, what? I said, give me a microphone. I can, get, I can win people on a stage. But one-on-one, man, I'm not called to do that. He said, brother, we're all called to do that. You'll never fulfill, get your big purpose until you fulfill your mandate. Your first purpose of winning souls. We're all called to do that. And I said, okay, yes, sir. You're in authority over me. I submit. And when I started going to Sturgis, I mean, I was nervous as all get out. I got actually one-on-one to someone. How do you do that? You know, you know, and, and I just was interceding in the Lord. And from that trip, Captain Rex was birthed. I had been searching for years to find my real purpose. And as soon as I started fulfilling my original purpose of winning souls, my full purpose of Captain Rex was birthed. And not only that, my passion came right with it. I traveled the world, dressed up like a pirate. You know, I mean... Winning souls, acting, teaching what I love to do. And since Captain Rex was birthed in 2013, we've led over 94,000 people in the salvation prayer. I didn't have to wait long. You see, I quit pursuing my passion, fulfilled my purpose, and my passion came with it. So, Let's enter the happy home now of Jacob and his two sister wives. He's got two wives now and they're sisters. All right. So Leah, we don't know a lot about Leah. Uh, the Bible tells us that Leah has gentle, tender eyes. Not sure exactly what that means. Well, Rachel, I do under this, understand this. Verse 17, it says, Rachel was beautiful in form and face. So, I mean, she's like form and face. Okay. <laughs> In other words, Rachel was a knockout, right? 
And if I could read between the lines, Leah, she was the timid, less pretty, older sister, and Rachel was the one who got all the attention. We aren't sure how Leah felt about uh, Jacob those seven years he was working to get Leah the first time. I mean, yeah, to get, how Leah felt about Jacob when he was working to get Rachel um, those seven years. But once Leah and Jacob are married, that was a big desire of hers, was for her husband to love her. You see, I want us to look at Leah. Because Leah was Jacob's purpose. Leah. No one's working seven years to marry her. And in fact, I think Laban tells Jacob, yeah, you can marry Rachel after you work seven years. Thinking that surely somebody, somebody will marry Leah in those seven years. Right? Right? But no one does. And so the only way she even gets married is her dad has to sneak her into her sister's fiance chamber on the wedding night to trick him into marrying her. And when Jacob wakes up furious and he discovers he's in bed with the wrong woman, I mean, can it get any more humiliating for Leah? And then she only has him as a husband for a week. And then her sister is now part of the mix. My heart goes out for Leah. She had a desire. Her only desire is for Jacob to love her. And in verse 31, the Bible tells us that Leah is unloved by Jacob. Now, Leah mistakenly thinks that having a baby will make Jacob love her, right? Especially since Rachel isn't giving him any children. So let's pick up the story in Genesis 29, verse 32 in the NASB. And it says that Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I'm not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now, at last, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. Doesn't your heart just hurt for her? Her one desire is just for her husband to love her. Son one, maybe Jacob will love me. Son two, God gave me this son as a consolation because he doesn't love me. Son three, I'll settle for Jacob just being attached to me. See, Leah is is aching for the love of her husband. And despite her best efforts, there's nothing she could do to get it. She has a desire unfulfilled. We all have desires. Maybe some of you have a desire that's being unfulfilled. Maybe it is for someone to love you also like Leah. Maybe it's for your boss just to notice you. Maybe the desire just to be able to 
have children that respect you and not talk back or a desire for your kids to do something good with their life or a, a, a desire for your body to function properly according to God's word. You know, uh, we all have desires, different desires. And, and in some way, we're a lot like Leah. Well, maybe, maybe if I, I give her a son, maybe he'll love me then. Well, if I work extra hard or coming in early, my job will notice me and I can get that promotion. Or if maybe, maybe, and we're trying to make it happen and, and you'll continue to get desires unfulfilled. But something happened in son number four. Something changed in Leah. In Genesis 29, 35, it says this. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. This time. This time, I'm not going to use my son to win over my husband. This time, with this son, I'm going to praise the Lord. Even if my husband doesn't love me, I'm going to praise the Lord. Even if I don't get my desire, I'm going to praise the Lord. This time, she quit chasing her desires and she gave God praise. She learned to worship God even when her desire was to be fulfilled. She learned to surrender her unfulfilled desires, even when she felt the sting. This time, that's when she gave birth to Judah. She quit chasing her desire, began to praise God. Thank God. And what happened? She fulfilled her destiny. You see, that's why Leah was Jacob's purpose. Judah was Leah's destiny. Because from Judah came King David. And out of the line came King David, came Jesus. Leah was Jesus' great, 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 great to the, I think, 60-something time. Grandmother. When she began to praise the Lord. Quit chasing your passion. Fulfill your purpose and then you get your passion. Quit chasing your desires. Fulfill your destiny. Praise the Lord and you fulfill your destiny. This time. So. I'm reading this. This is all late one night after... I heard my friend in California, and I'm like, okay, okay. She got her destiny, right? Does Leah get her desire? Because the Bible doesn't talk a lot about Leah. And so I just, I kept reading and reading Genesis. And it's amazing how God will speak to you through his word. Wait, how does he speak to you anyways? Through his word. That's why they call it his Word, right? Anyways, so I just kept reading and it starts in 29 and I'm making it all the way through. And so 
I'm like, I got to find out, does Leah get her desire, right? Does Leah get her desire of Jacob loving her? So I, I find out that Rachel, she bears a son, um, calls him Joseph. That's where, you know, the whole Joseph story. And then Rachel becomes pregnant again, and she gives birth to Benjamin. And uh, while they were traveling, because they were, Jacob was always moving around. And um, so, but Rachel, she ends up dying in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin. And she's buried along the way. That's Genesis 35, 19 through 20. So, Rachel is buried on the side of the road. Now, for a period of time, and we don't know how long that period of time is, but Leah is the sole wife of Jacob, okay? And it never says that Jacob loved her or anything else. And in fact, um, it, it, it doesn't talk much about Leah at all. And so... Now, this is when Joseph gets sold into slavery and he goes off to Egypt and I'm reading the whole Joseph story and I'm like, okay, what happened to Leah? What happened to Leah? They don't ever even say she died. I mean, whatever happened to Leah? And, um, and so then, you know, his brothers go because of the grain and Benjamin, you know, that's why uh, Jacob loved uh, Joseph and, and Benjamin so much because they came out of Rachel. So that's just like more insult to Leah, right? She's, he's, giving, he's giving his dead wife's son the coat of many colors, you know, instead of showing love to me and my 10 kids, right, or whatever, you know. Come on. And so Benjamin, and he's like, no, you can't take Benjamin back to Egypt and blah, 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 blah. They find out Joseph's the long brother, and they relocate the whole family to Egypt, right? So now Jacob's an old man. And he's in Egypt. And this is like 20 chapters of Genesis I just went through. Okay, so you're welcome. All right. So now we're in Genesis 49. Okay? So Jacob now is an old man. And he's on his dying death, his deathbed. And he calls his sons in to his deathbed. Joseph leaves the palace, comes to, to, to Jacob, his old father. And his father gives all of his sons a blessing. And then he gives them his last dying wish. All right. So this is Jacob's last dying wish. Last thing he says. And then he, he goes on. And this is Genesis 49 verses 29 through 31. And it says this. Then Jacob instructed them. Soon I will die and I will join my ancestors. Bury me with my father and grandfather. You know, Abraham. I mean, this is like the burial. I mean, this is like the homestead plot um, Ab- that Abram brought, bought as a permanent burial site in the side of a cave. And then in verse 31, there Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebecca are buried. So, This is old dying man's last wish. Take me home. Put me in the grave of honor where my grandfather Abraham and his wife are buried. My father and my mother are buried. And look at that last sentence. And there 
I buried Leah. There I buried Leah. Rachel is buried on the side of the road. Leah is buried in the place of honor. Okay, the dying man's last wish is to be buried next to who? Leah. So something must have happened after Rachel was gone. Something must have happened. And I believe Leah got her desire. And not only that, she got her desire and more. She not only saw it in her lifetime, but I mean, here, she's buried next to him. And her destiny, even if she didn't get her desire. But we know God wants to give you the desires of your heart when you delight in him. But even if she didn't get her desire, I think she would have given that up to known who her great, 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 great grandson was going to be. See, God's working something behind the scenes. He's working stuff in the background. You never know. You don't know what's going to happen. Yes, Leah's, and she made other mistakes along the way. Her only desire was for her husband to love her. But when she quit chasing her desire, she began praising and thanking God. She fulfilled her destiny. And then did she get her desire? Oh, yes. And there I buried Leah. In the tomb of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their wives, and Leah. Rachel's buried on the side of the road. God will work it out. He's working things out. And even though you don't see it, even though you don't feel it, even though it, it, it hurts, He wants to give you the desires of your heart when you delight in him. And when you delight in him, you start to know what he likes, what he wants. And then that's when you get your destiny and your purpose. You fulfill that, then your desires, they come. They come. So don't chase after your passion. Fulfill your purpose and then your passion will come. Don't chase after your desires. Fulfill your destiny and then your desires will come. You see, I wrote this down just um, a purpose. I'm I'm not going to go all into it, but uh, seven wisdom keys to your purpose and your destiny. Your purpose precedes your creation. Jeremiah 1, 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There are no accidents. Number two, your purpose determines your design. You know, I always looked at the Concorde jet, right? I was like, that is one ugly looking nosed jet, right? Well, why has it got that nose like that? Because it helps it make it go fast. When it goes fast, it actually straightens out and stuff. Your You're designed a certain way because of your purpose, because of your destiny. You know, like ice cream's purpose is to be, it's not hard. It's 
It's, the purpose is not to go out in the middle of the sun and sit there. It's not like watermelon, right? Ice cream's designed a certain way to be eaten and eaten quick. So quick that you get a brain freeze and you got to go, ah. Anyways, um, the stealth bomber, right? It's designed a certain way because of its, of its purpose. Your purpose determines your design. So sometimes we, we look at our design and we don't like it. Don't argue with God. You know? You know how long I did not like this, right? Look at that on, wait, on the camera. <laughs> Could you see that? I mean, growing up, I had nicknames like Gonzo and all this other stuff. But while I was doing movies and stuff, this is what got me some of my roles. No matter if I'm clean shaven, have a beard or whatever, you still recognize me because of my nose, my profile. And it got me roles. I actually made money because of this. Praise God, you know. I used to always say, because I had a big nose, I was a lifeguard and I could swim really fast. And it was because I blew so much air out my nose that it propelled me. Anyways, I don't think that was the reason. But anyways, number four, God's purpose is nested in your nature. You know, the qualities of a person by, by birth and origin, it's nested in you. Fish love to swim. Birds love to fly. Labs love to retrieve. But most times people are doing what's expected or, or peer pressure. Do what you love. Love what you do. That purpose is inside there. You see, a lot of times we're pursuing our passion where if you'll fulfill your purpose, your purpose is your passion a lot of times. And you don't even realize it. Number five, your calling, your purpose, your destiny will agree with the giftings and abilities God gave you. That's why he gave them to you. And sometimes, though, they're maybe in there and you don't even realize it. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. He created you for a reason. Number six, God provides his purpose in your life and not your plans. Oh, oh yeah, we definitely know that. You know, you don't have to promote yourself. Proverbs 18, 16 says, A gift opens the way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. You know, David and Goliath, what happened there? Purpose and life bam, collided. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. Your gift will make room for you. Your gift will make room for you. Number seven, soar with your strengths and manage your weaknesses. Find out what you love to do and do more of it. First Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating, administering God's grace in its various forms. See, your purpose is in here. Fulfill your purpose, you'll get your passion. Jacob, he got Rachel and Leah. His purpose and his passion. Leah, she fulfilled her destiny with Judah, came Jesus, and she got her desires. And there I buried Leah. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you for your word. Um, Lord, I just believe that, uh, that your word was, um, your word was given today that, that was received in a way that lives will be changed. Father, I just, I love your word. 
Your word is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's not just a history book, Father, but your word is alive and it's for us today. And that, Father, as, as people have been pursuing their, their passions and pursuing their desires, that they will begin to walk with you. And as they walk with you, then they fulfill their purpose and they fulfill their destiny, that their passions and their desires will come. Father, your word also says that, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, at this time, if we have any sins in our heart, that we just confess them to you and we say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. We believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And he's alive today. And we choose to confess that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Father, I just pray that that as people pray that from their heart, that you would just come into their lives and, and transform their hearts, their lives, their minds, their images of themselves. And they'll see themselves the way you see them. That they won't no longer see themselves as Leah the unloved But they'll see themselves as Leah, the great, great grandmother of Jesus, the Savior. That Father, each and every one of us has a call to something great. It's to be saving breath and air in someone's life, saving words that can help change someone's life. And that as we see ourselves the way you see us, we begin to confess it. And pursue our passion, our purpose and pursue our, our destiny that our desires and our passions will come. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 I could go on more, but I, I, think, I think that's it. Is that cool? I know y'all are probably getting out here a little early. Is, is that fine? Is that, did you get something out of that? Amen. I've never seen that. I've never heard that before, ever. And, um, and I'm just excited to share it with people. Hey, pursue your, your purpose and your passion will come. Fulfill your destiny and your desires will come. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pastor Jefferson.